The energy transition is a long and winding road, and it needs to be taken step by step. Learn more at SiemensEnergy.com. This is Barron's Live. Each weekday, we bring you live conversations from our newsrooms about what's moving the market right now. On this podcast, we take you inside those conversations, the stories, the ideas, and the stocks to watch so you can invest smarter. Now, let's dial in. Hi, everyone, and welcome to a special installment of Barron's Live. It's Alyssa Corum here, along with Ed Carson of Investors Business Daily. And today, we're going to be talking about how you can avoid becoming flat-footed in the market when you see a big shift. And you know, Ed, it's kind of funny. When we first came up with the idea for this segment, it was a couple of weeks ago when we were in the middle of a very strong rally. And of course, we couldn't predict that uh, the last couple of weeks would have unfolded like we did or else we would have said uh, how to avoid getting flat-footed in the March rally and April sell-off. So it just goes to show you, you, you can't predict what's going to happen in the market. <laughs> yeah, you can't predict and you can't you can't just assume, oh, this is going well, it's going to go well forever. Yeah, you definitely have to be uh, nimble. And that's sort of been the way it's been for, for quite a while in this market. Yeah, so there's a lot to unpack today. So we're going to talk about the current market environment in the context of some of the technical analysis tools that we use to help us stay in step with market conditions, how we find stocks to buy, what the environment is like, and how you can look at industry groups as well to help keep you on track with what is working in the market. All right, Ed, so you talked about being nimble, and that kind of reminds me of being on a basketball court. You got to be ready for offense. You got to be ready for defense. You have to stay on your toes. And I guess also translating that to the investor version is keeping an open mind to all sorts of possibilities that could unfold. Yeah, you have to be ready to be listen to the market. Is the market telling you that like is it should you be more aggressive? Should you be, you know, step back? Should you be buying growth stocks? Should you be buying these other sectors? I mean, you really have to be paying attention. If you go into it, this is what I want to do and I'm I'm going to tell the market what's going to happen. Well, the market's going to explain to you pretty quickly that's not going to work. You really have to be mentally nimble and then you have to act on it too. You have to listen to the market and 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 act on it so you can stay in step. Uh, avoid losses during bad times and taking advantage of good times. Exactly. And I feel like 2022 has been so tough because there are a lot of especially negative headlines out there. You know, we have record inflation, skyrocketing interest rates, war in Ukraine, uh, resurgence of COVID in China. So there's so many things out there that can cloud your judgment, perhaps if you if you let just the headlines alone and your emotional reaction or your gut instinct guide you in your decision-making process. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm news editor, so I, I try to pay attention to the news. The news is important. It Don't is important. Me, it it is. is important. It is important. And you should try to, you know, be aware of things. And that can sometimes give you more conviction about why a particular industry or company might might do well. But you ultimately, it's not so much the news, it's the reaction to the news. I mean, yes. you know, because I think everybody was surprised in 2020 when, you know, we're going into this massive recession, everything shut down. And very quickly, we had this huge stock market run. It was not easy to predict. You have to see how the market's going to react to things. It's like, well, this news could be, I don't know, this seems negative to me. And then the market or that sector or that stock rallies. It's like, well, 
that you know you have to you have to adapt to that so yeah you know you want to be paying attention to the news but ultimately it's not the news that really matters well it it does it does matter but it's just one part of the decision making process you can't let that override everything else that you're seeing. And that's why we look at charts, because the charts are going to guide us for what to do, whether it is the major indexes, the S&P 500 uh, showing a follow through day in mid-March and the NASDAQ shortly following. If we didn't react to that signal, even though there was so much negativity surrounding us, we would have missed out on a great couple of weeks there. And you know, I, I even remember looking in the uh, IBD Live Q&A at the time, people saying, oh, there's no way this follow through day is going to work. We're immediately going to retest the lows. So, you, you know, you have to trust what the charts are telling you. And that's not to say that all follow through days work, but you can't ignore the market signals. No. And that's why we're telling people to like step in slowly, go into things that are working. I mean, one one concern is that there, I mean, there were some stocks to buy, but they weren't some of the traditional growth areas, not so right. much. I mean, I mean, there might've been these little, little areas, but it was definitely in other areas of the market. And so you had to adapt to that. Uh, obviously when the market turned again at the end of March and into April, that was like, well, you know, you may want to step back or definitely focus on the areas that are working. And it's just like, that's what the charts were showing. That's what the index was showing, the sectors, the socks. And that's just the way to try to be to be nimble and just be paying attention to all those kind of factors. So you can, you know, try to try to, you know, if you're going to outperform the market, you really have to be paying attention to what the what the market is saying. Yes. And so uh, for those watching the video version of this live, I'm sharing my screen now and showing the S&P 500 uh, because let's unpack the market technicals here a little bit that we've been talking about uh, before uh, we start digging a little deeper into stock selection and what we're seeing underneath the surface. So and if you want to go back in the archives, we have had past Barron's Live episodes where we're talking about really staying in step with the market, uh, avoiding corrections by going to cash, looking for follow through days as well. So Justin and I did that episode. So I highly recommend you checking that out. So uh, we won't uh, belabor the point too much, but just to give you an idea of what we are talking about. So the S&P 500 on March 16th had a follow through day. That was a very strong gain in volume heavier than the session before. And that's a signal that we use, Ed, to, as you said, start dipping our toe in the water. We did see some stocks that were breaking out of proper chart patterns at that time. But you can also, if you're not seeing a lot of setups, like you were mentioning, especially in the growth area, you can get exposure with index tracking ETFs as well. Yeah. And they're like, that's, you know, there were reasons to be skeptical. I mean, it wasn't the greatest. We had sort of sort of filtered around. It was a long time into it, but we were breaking a downtrend, finally got over the 21 day line. And then it kept on going. This was part of a, you know, really big four day stretch. And that later on the NASDAQ followed through and it was just like really powered. We were powering through various resistance levels, you know, getting above March highs, getting above things, you know, just like, okay, this is, you know, it can take, and this is why you want to be ready. You've got to be, you know, part of, part of being, you know, not being flat footed is to be continually working on things like your watch list. Right. And you might be thinking, well, why should I bother? The stock, the market is almost at lows. 
you know, and the NASDAQ actually did undercut lows on March 14th. Um, so right in there. So it was, uh, you know, you're thinking this is, this is going down, going down, but you keep working at it because you can turn around so quickly. And for those who were paying attention, you know, a couple days later, four days later, there were some things to buy and take advantage. Now, it's too bad that the rally didn't last, you know, wasn't powerful, powerful for much longer. But this is when you want to get in because some of the best stocks will often be getting out at that time. Yes. And as you were saying, staying in phase with the market doesn't mean that you know, the rally is going to continue forever and ever. Then you, okay, okay, we're in. Let's add exposure when things are working. But what's next? That's again where we rely on technicals to show us hey, uh, are we getting to be at oversold levels? Could we expect some sort of pullback? If yes, which is what we were starting to say, uh, you know, a couple of days or, you know, a week or so into the rally, that maybe consider locking in some of those profits and uh, still keeping a tight leash on things and not letting your guard down. Yeah, I think those were that was all good advice that we that we did in those last couple of weeks because yeah, I was getting up to levels like the 200-day line on the Nasdaq. It just seemed like a natural area where it might pause and you might just say, "Well, let's just wait and see. Let's wait and see." Now, if things had paused and then we move forward, then it's like, "Okay, let's maybe you know, add to positions, add back to the stocks or add, you know, buy new positions. But it was a good reason to wait because we had run up quite a bit. And it just, this is the kind of stuff that you want to be, you know, because taking partial profits, that's not, you know, and very quickly has been a really good strategy over the past year because we've been a lot of choppy markets and sectors have come in and out of favor. And that's just mm -hmm. been the nature of the market. These headwinds out there, you can see how the market has come down so quickly uh, again, even fa even faster, it seems on the on the way up. So that you just have to be able to react quickly and adjust to that kind of uh, environment. Mm -hmm. And also on the thread of being open to all possible and potential scenarios, uh, we also flagged the potential that this could just be a, a bear market rally instead of the end of the true end of the correction. And this is again, where market technicals were our guide. We went to uptrend under pressure when we got the gap down on April 6th. And uh, that's a sign to start raising some cash. And we have seen further weakness since. Yeah. And it just, it, the, it, the, you got to be, these signals came on pretty quickly and it has not improved. And I think it's a lot of it. I think, you know, uh, especially on the growth stocks, we had this maybe short covering or maybe just this, you know, bargain hunting, and it just yes. didn't sustain itself at that point. Now, maybe we'll pause. And again, there's so many headlines going on, possibly affecting the market. Uh, there are sectors that are working, but definitely, especially on the NASDAQ and these areas, they're just, uh, it's just not doing well right now. Mm -hmm. And so another thing that you mentioned, Ed, is looking for stocks setting up in proper chart patterns on or around the follow through day and adding your exposure that way. And I think some of the more kind of growthy stocks that we saw doing that were in the chip sector. And I know our audience here today, very interested in what's going on in semis and, uh, you know, this was in a way, I guess, uh, either a, some sort of head fake or at least just a, a short-term move, Rambus, RMBS. I, I 
this one was flashing an RS line blue dot kind of around that uh, follow through day AOSL as well, uh, clearing a trend line and uh, presenting an actionable opportunity on the follow through day too. But these breakouts were short lived and they failed. So even that uh, is something that you don't want to get caught flat footed in when you see everything is uh, checking off the boxes. All right. It, this is uh, meets all of my fundamental and technical criteria. It's breaking out on the follow through day. I'm following all of the rules. Uh, but you an important rule to keep in mind, though, is sell rules when you're buying. So you can't ignore the sell rules when you do see something that uh, breaks your expectations. Yeah, and that's so important. I mean, you should have an exit strategy when you buy and you can adjust it. I mean, if the stock is going up and up and up, you can adjust how you're dealing with things. But you, know, you buy on fundamentals and technicals. You're looking for quality stock, quality companies with strong fundamentals, but then the technical action. But you really need to sell on the technicals. And we saw so many of these chip names. There were some really strong breakouts. And yeah, they failed really fast and you have to be ready to to be getting out i mean there was they had that big reversal day and then the next day when it sold off you just like you were either taking a loss depending or or almost seeing all the gains go you needed to be either out or really slashing losses right in there that is not good action the fact that so many other chip makers that had been coming up uh were selling off as well you know, there wasn't a whole lot of news at the time. I mean, now after the fact, you can sort of, oh, I see there's this and that reason why there maybe there just seems to be less demand for consumer electronics and, you know, a lot of the, but at the time it was like, it wasn't really clear and mm -hmm. that you just have to rely on those technicals and not get flat footed, not freeze and say, well, no, there's a story. This was doing what this was working. It's like, it's not working now. Exactly. That's such a that's such a great point there. Okay. Well, what is working? I feel like this is this is another layer here that is added to the market complexity is with the crazy broad market action underneath the surface. There has been a raging bull market in cyclicals, commodity related stocks. So if if you've been in the right places and filtering out the noise, so to speak. This uh, there, there's been a lot of opportunities under the service. This is, doesn't mean it's been easy by any means, but if you know where to look, there have been some really great opportunities. Yeah, I mean, it's sort of colored here because at IBD, we often try to focus on those growth companies that's traditionally there. But there's a lot of money to be like, yeah, the, the energy stocks are doing well, the, the fertilizer maker, the steel makers, the miners. These are all areas that are doing quite well. Uh, and there's a few other sectors, you know, medicals have done pretty well. Nice defensive growth in health insurers. There's some drug makers. Uh, some even, Now some medical device makers and product makers are coming up as well. So there are big areas of the market that are doing well. And it's just it's just sort of a strange situation. It's sort of like when you have this sort of scattered showers and one part of town is getting big showers. Another one, it's like, it's sunny. And it's like, it's, uh, it's a little weird. It's like, you can't go that excited because split markets aren't as safe. And it's like, well, is this, are we gonna, you know, we saw a lot in 2021, we rotated from one sector to another or the whole market might weaken, you know, as well. But mm -hmm. definitely, you know, that there have been that's if you're going to be invested in the market, that's the, those are the areas that have been working and really should be trying to focus on uh, pretty almost exclusively, really, because nothing else is working.
Mm -hmm. Okay, so Ed, I'm sure our audience is asking, okay, well, how do I spot this, these strong groups before they surge, before they go on multi-month runs. I'm going to pull up my screen here again. I'm going to show the, here's the XLE ETF tracking the energy sector and what a move this group has had this year. So how should investors uncover this strength as it's getting underway? Well, you can see some of the action here. I mean, look, you should be running screens and just sort of be looking through a lot of these sectors and just finding the stocks in there. But just on XME, it was coming up, you know, it was basing, it didn't have, fall off that much, you know, in late last year when the NASDAQ was silly selling off. I mean, obviously energy was doing better. And then it broke above here and it set up, you know, that began another run. And a lot of these had pretty strong runs in 2021. So this was coming in. You want to be looking for stocks that have already been doing well. You're looking for relative strength yeah. lines that are at least holding up. And, you know, there was a wave. I mean, some of them came in right then, but there was over a few weeks you saw a number of them doing it. Uh, and there were some pullbacks in various times. And a lot of them are now setting up. We're seeing, especially some of the giants are, are forming bases once again. So there have been opportunities. I mean, you, you know, you don't necessarily get the first run. I mean, a lot of these have had huge runs and it doesn't mean that they'll keep running. Maybe this is the top. Okay. But, you know, this is how you can be finding it, you know, looking for, looking for stocks and sectors that are, that have been in uptrends and are now consolidating or now pulling back. Those are, those are going to, mm -hmm. you know, tend to be the ones that are going to continue to do well, rather than trying to find groups that have sold off and are really weak and try to, you know, predict, predict the bottom. Exactly. And our, discussion last month on Barron's Live with Dave Chung, we were talking about why you shouldn't get uh, stay focused on the leaders of the past. And you really need to be focused on that new market leadership. And so over the last month, two months, three months, I feel like that could not be more true because as you were saying, Ed, these are not typically the names, that, you know, historically that we focus on. Uh, and we do have a question from our audience uh, that I want to bring in. And it's from Stephen. He's asking about key indicators for selecting stocks and asking about P.E. ratios. So that is something that we have been talking about a lot more this year because of the trends that we have identified for what's working and what's not working. Yeah, I mean, a high, we typically we're not, we haven't been concerned about price to earnings ratios because you know, like the growth stocks often have high, high ratios and then they keep rising and they keep moving. And that's, so if you wanna look for the leading stocks, we've generally downplayed that, you know, and not paid too much attention to it. But with interest rates rising, that just means that, you know, like, look, with high PE stocks, you're basically betting on, you're really buying future growth. You're, you're, you're not just the growth now, but you're paying a lot because you think there's going to be growth for years and years and years. And as rates rise, that, you know, that, you know, investors will discount future growth more and more. So it just means that it's harder for those high PE stocks to um, get keep that valuation, even if the growth is going to be tremendous, even if it doesn't mean that the actual growth rates won't be there. Uh, even if you say, well, no, that's not true. The fact is high PE stocks are not doing particularly well. We're seeing low PE stocks doing well. Um, a lot of drug drug makers are doing well with low PEs. The growth isn't always the greatest, but the PEs have been low, but that's, that's what's working. These energy stocks, 
you know, they have some really booming growth in many cases, but their PEs generally are modest or pretty low. And so those are things, but uh, on, on the price to earnings ratio, that again, is really unusual and maybe that will change, probably won't really change until interest rates level off um, or decline on a more consistent basis. And we don't know when that'll be because the Fed looks set to raise rates quite a bit uh, over the coming months. Right. So when we at IBD are screening stocks, we're not using the PE ratio as a, you know, a screening criteria. We're looking mm-hmm. for solid earnings and sales growth, or at least turnarounds in uh, the case of a number of cyclicals that we've looked at. But uh, from a technical perspective, we are screening for stocks in uptrends, Stephen, looking for base patterns, so some sort of consolidation or pause as well. The relative strength line, that's measuring price performance versus the S&P 500. We want to be focusing on stocks outperforming the market. Otherwise, you may as just well buy SPY, you know, set it and forget it. Uh, but the reason why we are picking individual stocks is because we want to outperform the market. So I think that is also something that is important as well. Uh, any other tips for Stephen on screening for stocks and what uh, he should be looking for? Yeah, I really like um, relative strength line. I think that's just one of my favorite indicators looking for that. And looking for stocks in top sectors I and mean, top, top in top groups. We tend to look at the, you know, stocks in the top 50 groups. Now, sometimes there'll be exceptions, you know, that won't always, it doesn't have to be, or some groups are different. Like this stock, this company is really different from the other ones in that group. And so it's actually a lot stronger, but generally you want to be looking for leading stocks and leading sectors. You know, want, you want them with the tailwind kind of thing, rather than really fighting a difficult environment for that industry and being such a great performer, it's managing to squeak by. It's much easier, like you want them to be a top performer where everything's going well in their industry from a stock perspective, from a company perspective. So that would be something else, looking for looking for industry group strength as well. Right. And on that note, Sunil is asking, okay, well, what are the sectors to invest in in this current inflation environment? It seems like technology, semis, they they uh, had a little bit of time there, but they've, they've now rolled over. And technology, by and large, is not where the strength is. But uh, just to reiterate some of the groups that you talked about earlier, Ed, what should investors be focused on right now and the groups that have been moving over the last couple of months? Is there still room to run? I mean, look, it, they're going to be affected by energy prices, and there's obviously a lot of like the energy stocks and commodity prices. So those are going to have an impact, but they seem to have a strong run. They, there still seems to be a lot of demand for, you know, for energy, for commodities. Those still seem to be uh, in focus. Uh, there's a lot of reasons why U.S. like fertilizer makers are doing better and U.S. chemical makers because they have such cheaper natural gas prices than, say, in Europe. Uh, you know, there's insurance companies. They're not going to be the biggest growers, but they tend to do well with rising rates. And they're not so concerned about the yield curve, whereas traditional lenders are having more trouble because the spread between short and long is is flat. So banks aren't financials are not doing well. Uh, in general, I mean, the traditional banks, but some insurance companies are doing well. Uh, so those are some areas. I mean, there's some other sectors that are doing well. There's certain financial brokerages that are doing well. There's travel stocks are coming up, but that I don't think is really because of high inflation. Right. Uh, I mean, but but 
there, you know, discount still, retailers. So maybe people are di- buying less yes. stuff unless it's from Costco and Dollar Tree. Yes, discounters is a great thing because yeah, and it seems like people are shifting their spending away from consumer discretion, the big ticket items, and they're saying, well, I want to pinch my pennies because their wages aren't keeping up with inflation. So, discount retailers. Uh, you know, because people have still have to buy food um, and they're trying to buy it at discounters more and more. I think that's that is clearly an area that uh, those are some of the main sectors that are going to be doing well right now. OK, so uh, some more questions that we want to get to. Maria is asking when you have a big loss in a good stock that is volatile. So perhaps uh, at the time uh, that Maria purchased the stock, uh, it was checking off all of the boxes or maybe it's a you know a big name stock like Amazon, perhaps, uh, you know, a, a big liquid popular name, perhaps. She's asking, should you buy more at a lower price to lower your cost basis? Or should you just wait until the stock goes up? So Ed, walk us through how uh, you would handle that situation with IBD's time-tested strategies. Yeah, we try to avoid getting big losses to start. And I mean, it's happened to everyone where it's like, no, no, and they get they get caught. We we all get flat-footed, or and or freeze and let a loss grow. But we try to cut losses at eight percent or less to avoid this scenario where you become sort of stuck in a stock. Uh, but if you do end up with a big stock that you know in a, a big loss in stock, remember, no matter how much the stock is falling, it can still fall a hundred percent. Now, obviously, say an Amazon or Nvidia, they're not going to fall a hundred percent. But they could fall quite a bit more. And, you know, it's uh, so, yeah, buying more. Yeah, you lower the average cost, but you're also putting more into a stock that isn't working. It's probably better to get out. It's not just, yes, the stock might rise, but even if it does rise, you don't know if it's going to be the real leader. You know, you could put that money to something else. Like if you take that money out of an Amazon or a Facebook or what have you, you could going into Exxon, which is doing better, or you could just, you know, or you wait and, you know, later on and you're just, your odds are better. It's not just, you're trying to predict the lowest price. You're trying to get the best price. So it may be better just to be scaling back exposure overall. So that, yeah, just dollar cost averaging in an individual stock is just, um, it's throwing, it's throwing good money possibly after bad. I mean, obviously look, if you buy it at the bottom, you'll be saying, look how smart I am. And that's great. But it's sort of like winning the lottery. It's a little different story with mutual funds. If you're planning a long-term, you know, you're investing for decades. Yeah. Continue to put money in or even putting extra money in during a correction, because you're just hoping, because you expect the market to rise over 20, 30 years. So, you know, yeah, a lot of individual companies will will falter along the way, but you can feel confident long term. That's a little different, but totally different. Yeah, yeah, totally different. But for individual stocks, generally, you know, you just be, you know, when you have a big loss to get out and just, you know, just take your licks, take your punishment. Mentally, it's a relief. I know that if I've held when I've held big losses, when I sell it, I just, oh, finally. And now I can move on. And so I think that's something as well. Preserving your mental capital for when right. the market is better is so important because you don't want to be exhausted mentally for when mm-hmm. the stocks, when the market is better. And it's like, then you can, you'll be gun shy and not want to take advantage of stocks that really yes. are working. Exactly. Averaging down is a very slippery slope. Mentally, that's not a place that you want to be in. 
And, uh, you know, another thing is maybe, maybe just your timing was off. Say mm-hmm. you've been in Amazon for, for years and years and years, you bought it right. You, you never were down uh, more than 8% and you've been riding it up the whole way. You can also treat it differently in that case. If you have a massive gain and, uh, you know, then you can maybe start looking at monthly charts using longer term sell signals to keep you in a big wave. But that's not what we want to be doing with a new position and just, you know, giving the excuse, you know, I'm down 20, 30, however much percent, but it's Amazon. It's going to come back. As you said, you could be putting that money to work elsewhere. All right. Well, uh, Jason is asking uh, your market forecast, Ed, for the rest of the year. If you had a crystal ball, uh, what would that be? But I guess, you you know, things that we do know now is uh, Fed rate hikes. How how is that expected to impact the stock market and stocks that we are looking at to buy? Look, and I'll be quite happy to change my scenario. But if like, yeah, that would be the, the rising rates. That will be something for at least the next few months. We're going to see it's going to be difficult for growth stocks, if nothing else. That will be an issue. Uh, now, if inflation does peak out, there was some hope that maybe this last we're going to like if inflation starts to cool down, if the economy cools down, maybe then you'll start forecasting out the Fed changes. And so then that could be a different story. But right now, it's not a good environment for growth stocks, especially the highly valued one. Uh, and that seems to be the case for a while. Uh, commodity stocks seem like they will still continue to do well. Uh, you know, the outcome of the Russia-Ukraine war, how that goes, will have a big impact on that. And so you could have big moves up or down um, that that either that completely changes the trend or just interrupts the trend. But that seems like right now. But it's again, uh, whenever we do these forecasts, I remember we did a forecast like in 2020 and like within a few days there was issues, you know, like or there's Iran stuff. And then, you know, how could you have predicted 2020? And then all sorts of things. Uh, I don't spend a whole lot of time trying to predict things, you know, like because my predictions seem to go away after about a week. Uh, and um, so, but uh, that would be the same situation. I think it's an inflation rate hike environment you're probably going to see the things that are working and the things that aren't working. That will probably still continue to be the case. Mm-hmm. Well, I feel like that kind of circles back to our opening here is you have to stay open-minded and flexible and be aware of the macro environment, but uh, don't have your blinders on. Got You got to be flexible. And uh, we do have a participant saying, my forecast for the end of the year is that the year will end on December 31st, 2022. So there you go. The one thing's for certain, and uh, it is that. (laughs) So I love that. I love that. All right. Um, Another question here. Let's see. Oh, oh, I know uh, a good comment. I mean, so many great comments, by the way. Thank you, audience, for all of your questions. We wish we could get to them all. But Gail is saying, uh, I think I need to hear this discussion uh, because I need to stay away from most YouTube market commentators. So (laughs) we've talked a lot about being uh, flat-footed or avoiding being flat-footed. But now let's talk a little bit more about that filtering out the noise part. And uh, of course, we love IBD, but, uh, you know, uh, but I think what's great about what we do, Ed, is our approach is, you know, based on history, we're looking at historic trends, and we're relying on data to shape our analysis. 
I, I completely agree. I and mean, we try to make it as much as possible about what, again, what the market is telling us, what, you know, what the charts are showing to us. And, you know, different people will disagree. There's definitely growth investors, canceling investors can have different flavors and how it goes. But rather than say, I like this stock and it's like, you know, you shouldn't listen to somebody else. I mean, you know, getting advice when you hear advice from you know other folks, I mean, they may have good reasons for it, but you have to, you know, be looking at stocks and you also you have to be making, well, why are you, why do you want to buy this stock? You don't just want to buy it because of some, somebody throws it on a board and says, I like this one. I mean, uh, you know, you just have to be, you know, it, don't, rely on facts and, and history and patterns and what's happening now rather than predictions about the market, predictions about a stock. I, it's just it, that, you know, the, those kind of things just don't work out, you know, very well. If you're going to, if, if, if you don't want to, you know, that's kind of thing, it's like, it's one thing to invest in mutual funds and broad things like that and say, you know what, I'm not going to be doing this. I'm going to let kind of like, let the market, I'm just going to go with the market. And that's fine. Like you say, just invest in spy and go away. But, you know, it's just something, don't let the personalities, market isn't about investing person about in personalities, you know, it's keeping a level head and looking at what the market and the charts are actually saying. Yes, I totally agree with that, Ed. And I think it also speaks to our approach of using a rules-based system. You know, it, we're, we're not making, you know, blind picks, of course, you know, we do talk about this is meeting our, our criteria, but uh, as much, if not more, we're talking about when you buy, you know, this is, this should be your selection criteria. See if it meets your uh, requirements. Then when you buy, make sure that you have your stop in place, your risk management tools there to make sure that you have uh, that, that risk reward ratio in line, that you're not uh, taking a hit to your portfolio, whether you have a little bit more of an aggressive bent or a conservative bent, just know, uh, you know what some of those uh, personality traits that you have as an investor or a trader that will help shape your own decision-making process. Yeah, I think that's such a good point. Ultimately, this is your decision-making process. You're putting in perhaps a lot of your money that you've worked out for decades. You know, you have to take it very seriously, you know, make your decision. I mean, it's fine to, you know, get ideas from folks, but then you have to be looking at and adapt it to what works for you. Mm -hmm. And uh, Gerald is asking, because uh, we did talk, we did bring up mutual funds. So do you recommend keeping some percentage of your capital in an index fund? And uh, we talk a lot about active investing. And that is something that we really like to do because we want to outperform. But there are also a lot of resources on investors.com about how to handle your retirement savings and your long-term portfolios. As you were saying, Ed, uh, portfolios that you have a 20 to 30-year time horizon, uh, we're not just buy and hold picking stocks for that. Yeah, no, and I'm not, I mean, I personally have a 401k account. I mean, you know, I use that, I adapt that, I'm just putting that money in there. It's just sort of like, okay, and I, you know, put it, put it in a lot of broad funds and so on. Uh, so I, I do that. I mean, I, I keep a, a good chunk of my holdings in that regard. Uh, you can certainly do that um, with ETFs either for the long term or, or simply just buy ETFs when the market is doing well. If you don't want to be individually investing, there's a lot of things, just market timing. I mean, 
buying stock, buying stocks with ETFs in uh, on a follow through day and getting out as the market weakens will probably suit, you know, provide a pretty, pretty, uh, pretty good performance um, over time. So uh, it's really up to you. It's like that's one way of just sort of like I'm going to keep with the market and just sort of like if you want to just treat the active funding and sort of like it's lowering your risk. So if you want to that way, if you're investing in a risky form, you're not investing everything. You know, that's one way you can do that, balancing it out. You've got this portfolio that other other investing in, that's steady. But again, it comes down to how, you know, what your tastes are, what, right. you know, what your needs are, what what your uh, resources are. Um, and uh, that, that that's how I handle it, uh, you know, but uh, I think it is, for, you know, I don't know how you do it, but I, that's, but that's, I think everybody has to figure it out for themselves. Oh yeah, exactly. Same with my, my 401k account. I, I definitely treat that differently. And this is not anti-can slim. No. IBD founder Bill O'Neill has an entire chapter of his book, How to Make Money in Stocks, devoted to strategies for mutual fund investors. So if that is something that you're interested in learning more about, in addition to all of the buy and sell and stock selection rules that we're talking about, uh, that's definitely a, a great great resource there and uh, something that helps guide our coverage day to day. And what we do on IVD Live are uh, those time-tested strategies as well. All right, Ed. Well, I think let's let's go ahead and just give some closing thoughts here. What do you think is the big takeaway from today's discussion? You know, you just have to be, uh, I mean, we talked about being nimble. You just have to be able to um, be ready to act. And so a lot of preparation involved, but you have to be ready to act uh, in getting in and getting out and paying attention to what the market and what your stocks are, are say, saying, uh, you know, so make sure, you know, like you are filtering out the noise, paying attention to what's going on, but, you know, and making sure that, you know, you're in step with the market rather than trying to, trying to uh, ignore the, what the market is telling you. And, you know, that way, you know, it's, that the way to outperform the market is to be listening to market and, and, and taking action based off of that. That's exactly right. All right, Ed. Well, thank you so much. And thank you to our great audience for all of your questions. Again, we wish we could answer a lot more of them. Uh, limited here by the time, uh, just a smidge. But Ed and I are both on Twitter. We would love to interact with you there. So make sure you're following both of us. Ed is at at IBD underscore E Carson. And I am at at Alyssa Quorum, A-L-I-S-S-A. And we will see you next time. But I do want to preview what's coming up on Barron's Live on Monday at noon. We have Barron's Senior Managing Editor, Lauren R. Rublin, and Associate Editor, Andrew Berry. They're going to speak with Steve Booth. He's Portfolio Manager at Tiro Price. Uh, and they're going to give an outlook for bonds in a rising yield environment. And also going to look at Andrew's recent article for Barron's What to Buy Following an Epic Bond Route. So thank you so much for listening, Ed. Thank you for all the great insights. And we'll see everyone back here next month. Thanks so much. The energy transition is a long and winding road, and it needs to be taken step by step. Learn more at SiemensEnergy.com.